Your your whole pirate thing is very odd to me. Uh, I accept. It's, I, it's I, odd to me, I accept honestly. it. Potentially, this is a well timed interest for me because. I mean, I have mixed feelings about the guy, but Taika Waititi has a TV show coming up called um, Our Flag Means Death. That's a comedic kind of semi-autobiographical, not semi-autobiographical, <laughs> semi-biographical. Yeah, it's, it's my understanding that Taika Waititi has never been a pirate of the seven seas. Yeah, <laughs> to the best of our knowledge. Hello and welcome to The Sunday Presents, a podcast with me, Kira Maloney. And me, Dean Buckley. The Sunday is a blog we started in 2017 where we write about film, TV, and music in that exact order of frequency, <laughs> constantly maintained across several years. This is a podcast where me and Dean make each other watch favorite films of ours that the other hasn't seen. And it's Halloween! I mean... It is, or it's, will be a week from when we release this. Yeah, it's it's not Halloween as we record this, or when it comes out, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's the Halloween season, and as it's Halloween, not Halloween, the Halloween season, etc., I made Dean watch one of my favorite horror movies, and it's not Halloween, because I only recently became aware that he has never seen Halloween, but it is a great film. Two great films yes. that are sequels to, or we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is the great Sam Raimi's wonderful, wonderful films, The Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Sam Raimi, the great, the ghost, the god. He's made a lot of bad films, also. But I just want to quickly shout out the the western he made in the nineties, The Quick and the Dead. Fucking. I gross. was gonna tell you that at the risk of turning this into a quadruple episode instead of a double episode i did watch two other sam raimi films this week and didn't log them on letterbox so you wouldn't see what what are they crime wave and the quick and the dead ah look <laughs> will we just talk about the quick and the dead for a minute yeah the quick and the dead the coolest film ever made yeah amazing it was made during the golden Venn diagram of when Sharon Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio looked exactly like each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sharon Stone's a, a lone stranger riding into a town gone wrong. And there's a by shooting competition. Yeah, run by and always won by Mr. John Herod, the evil gangster ruler of the town. Played by Gene Hackman. Is evil, played very well by Gene Hackman, who is, uh, you can tell he's evil because he has the name of the evil king from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it's a gunfighting competition and the gunfights, they they only use the cool shots. Yeah. They they do a long build up as, as is the style. And then the gunfight itself, they only do the cool bit, the sudden zooms and sharp cuts and they don't do the uh, the eyes the eyes exactly yeah everybody the entire ensemble getting a chance to look nervously at the clock like 50 times <laughs> but we're we're not talking about the quick and the dead today or crime wave because they are not halloween themed and as i was at pains to point out it is quote unquote halloween before last year's halloween show i warned you not to let your children watch 
but you did anyway. Hmm. Well, this year's episode is even worse. It's scarier, more violent, and I think they snuck in some bad language too. So The Evil Dead, written and directed by Sam Raimi, produced by Bob Tappert. Like, I'm only saying this because the production posse is, you know, important. And starring Bruce Campbell, who's also an executive producer. And that's Mm -hmm. not a phony credit. Like, it can often be where that just means they put up money. Uh, Bruce Campbell is like a full collaborator in The Evil Dead. Yes, absolutely. And and an official co-producer on the second one, at least. And I'm sure on all of so the evil dead is about these five friends who go up into a rented cabin in the woods and they are ash williams played by bruce campbell the the hero of the whole series his girlfriend linda his sister cheryl and his friend scott and scott's girlfriend shelly yeah and they're driving up talking about you know how it's way up in the middle of nowhere and i'm gonna hear you scream and (laughs) and as they're driving up we see this invisible force shooting through the woods and we see it from the point of view of the force and it makes their car unable to swerve out of the way of a truck but then they are able at the last second and it's like ooh, what's going on then they get to the cabin and they all set up and stuff some small stuff happens at first like cheryl is in a room drawing a grandfather clock and then the force looks like takes control of her hands and makes her start drawing a book yeah and after a few more of these incidents they are gradually led to discover in the basement this setup with like a tape recorder and a big knife with skulls on it and these other this other material, research material. And they bring it upstairs and they play the tape recorder back. Bad idea. The tape recorder is this like archaeology professor or something who was on a dig in Kandar. And he found this ancient book bound in human skin. And written in human blood. A kind of equivalent of the the ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead, which was actually a collection of burial rites. Uh, but this one is actually a book for summoning demons. <laughs> when it plays back the tape recording, it plays back the guy saying the words to summon the demons. So the demons show up <laughs> and start doing shit. They play back a bit of the tape more later. It turns out the guy, the tape, died after his wife was possessed and tried to kill him and, and stuff. Yeah. And it says that the only way you can kill these possessed people who... They eventually acquire the term deadite in the series. Yeah. I think that term is only at the very end of the second, of yeah, the second correct, one yeah. of these two. But I, th- I think that we can call them deadites in the meantime. Yeah, because they're not just like possessed people and they're not just zombies because the demons yeah. like twist and reshape their flesh and stuff, especially in Evil Dead 2. There's some pretty yeah. extreme body horror. So these deadites show up and the very first way that they properly attack is unfortunately the most infamous scene in the entire series. Cheryl runs out into the woods because everything's scary and bad, and the woods come alive and start attacking her. Vines start grabbing her and wrapping around her and pulling her to the ground. And then... And then she gets right by the tree. Thank you for sparing me from saying it. It's like... 
I, Boing. Have, I do have to say, just briefly, I was like surprised by how brief it was in the event. Yeah, I mean, it's not like After like a half a half hour of tree After all rape. I heard, like, no, it's just like a branch just goes in and then she screams and like breaks free and runs off, basically. In a shocking twist, this really like upsets Cheryl and she asks <laughs> Ash to drive her into town. Something I, I didn't expect going into this was certainly in The Evil Dead, Ash is super nice. He's, he's a really <laughs> nice, sweet guy. There's that bit early on before they played everything, played the tape, where he pretends to fall asleep with a gift for his girlfriend yeah. on his lap. And then they're playing the cute game of like cat and mouse. It becomes very important what the gift is. Yeah, it's this lovely necklace that's like an upside down magnifying glass. You, you say lovely, it's like extremely weird and bizarre. It's extremely specific, and I thought it was going to be, there was going to be some reference to her being a huge fan of mystery novels or something to explain why it's a magnifying glass. I imagine it, it costs like $2. I imagine a lot of things in both these films cost $2. But yeah, so Ash gets in the car to drive Cheryl in, and then they get down to the hilariously rickety bridge that was literally just like <laughs> splintering under them as they drove across it earlier while yeah. the guys insisted to the girls that it was completely safe. It is all gone. They're trapped up in the woods they don't know another way out yeah and at that point basically fuck plot what happens now is a bunch of increasingly escalating horror scenes of people getting possessed and inhumanly distorted floating in the air screaming about eating souls trying to bite and kill the others getting their limbs chopped off flying all over the place blood spraying everywhere including out of the pipes and electrical plugs of the cabin just yeah blood guts gore violence uh you can only kill a dead eye completely by dismembering all four limbs and decapitating them yeah uh, even just decapitating won't work because ash ends up having to decapitate linda with a shovel <laughs> and the, she still comes back and at the end of the first film ash Ends the ordeal by throwing the Book of Dead into the fireplace. It was near the fireplace and it started smoking and smoke started coming out of... He grabs it with the necklace. Oh, yeah. He uses the necklace to swing, to catch it, to hook the... Yeah. Uh, the necklace was also, if I remember correctly, proudly featured in the scene that uh, echoes the cute bit with the necklace when he's burying <laughs> Linda. And Linda's not actually... Like, Dead-Eye Linda's not actually dead. He hasn't, she hasn't been dismembered at all. And now she's pretending to be dead and, like... Peeking out of her eyes, and he's like nervously checking over his shoulder whether she's actually dead. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful bit. But uh, yeah, he hooks the Book of the Dead with the necklace and throws it into the fire. And I gotta tell you, okay, I'm not a squeamish person. I have a strong stomach when it comes to gore and violence and and and, and all that shit. But I do have a thing about rot and mold <laughs> and shit, like organic decay. And at the end, when the deadites completely rot away layer <laughs> by layer, that was, there was so much horrible violence, like, and so much of that, like, kind of very specific, painful looking violence, like the, when Cheryl's first possessed, she stabs Linda. Ah, with the pencil ankle. in the ankle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it looks so horrible. But that was nothing for me compared to the <laughs> rotting of, of the deadites. I, that was proper, like, can't look but can't look away squinting through the gaps in my fingers shit for me that was horrible <laughs> um but then right at the end 
The demonic force flies through the house and attacks Ash and flies down his mouth and smashes the black as he screams. Yeah. That's the the... <laughs> that is the plot of the Evil Dead. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? I, I feel like people listening to this who aren't like big horror guys are gonna think that I'm like a real sicko. <laughs> because, yeah, because it's yeah. just like oh it's just like most of the film is just extreme violence and nothing else. And that's no, true no. in some ways. <laughs> but in other more accurate ways. And I don't say this at all to diminish the Evil Dead because this term is a neg- more negative connotation nowadays, but it is a, a very effects-driven film that is yes. about the incredible, like, beauty is a very loaded word to describe <laughs> this, but, like, the visual, I guess, grotesquery and, sp- and, and splendor and the spectacle of it is, is yeah. really beautifully well like beautifully made well done like yeah. bruce campbell as an actor like i've seen him in stuff before obviously he's really good actually in the first season of the sadly cancelled tv show lodge 49 um, <laughs> bruce campbell's in lodge 49 he he's a he's a corrupt construction developer ah, and he's great he he gets shot in the leg by uh tyler ritter from the american all-american rejects with a harpoon gun <laughs> Yeah, Bruce Campbell is fucking amazing in both these films. He's it's, such um... an amazing rubber face, <laughs> especially in the second one. Like when the second one's a lot more comic. In The Evil Dead, the first one, like you can literally physically see Bruce Campbell getting older. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, um, because I should talk a little bit about about how the film was made. They, they filmed it over such a long time at such a uh, pivotal period in when someone Ages. physically becomes like an adult that yeah. it's like you see like, but it's almost like, you know, that the events at the cabin have really aged him, mm. you know, mm. like, like yeah. being president of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like. He's a baby-faced college student at the start, and at the end, he's like a grizzled war veteran. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell went to school together, and they decided to make a horror film because when you want to make a cheap independent film, you make a horror film. <laughs> yep. Check Checks out. Uh, Worked for George Romero. They made a short film first as like a proof of concept to show investors, and based on that, they scraped together enough money to make the movie, which Sam Raimi said cost about $375,000, which is like, when you're making a movie, that's like not <laughs> a lot of money. No, no, especially <laughs> not something with like location shoots and the kind of effects that are in this film. And the location itself <laughs> wasn't ideal <laughs> in a lot of ways. It was a perfect setting for a horror film. But that's because it was in real life, the equivalent of a setting for a horror film. <laughs> It's not a pleasant place to be during production. The way that when Orson Welles was making Citizen Kane, he innovated all this stuff because he didn't know what he couldn't do because he'd never made a film before. I feel that way about Evil Dead as well because it's so 
different and so extraordinary. Like it's almost like a film from another universe, the way it's made. Mm. And that's part of that is because it's like a bunch of young people who had never made a film before and didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like exactly. Sam Raimi had just turned 20 when they started filming, which is crazy. In a lot of ways, especially like narratively, it's quite a it's standard. And, and there are a lot yeah. of like common horror tropes that they explicitly evoke a lot of the time, especially you can tell the influence of schlocky Bihar shit like William Castle, which we know is a big influence on Sam Raimi based on how this film was premiered. Uh, yeah, at the, at, the, at the premiere, they had like a big premiere in Detroit where everyone they knew came to see it. And, uh, and outside they had like ambulances. <laughs> like, oh, this one's so like, scary that you're going to need an ambulance. Literally a trick borrowed from the old horror movie producer William Castle. Who, of the Tingler film. The Tingler is a perfect film. Five stars. Everyone watch The Tingler. Yeah, in from like a plot point of view, it's like pretty conventional. Mm. But from like a filmmaking point of view, it's extremely unconventional. And the force that, that moves through the woods is like a perfect example of that because it's it's just the camera moving. But it feels yeah. like there's something there that's like, and it and it's genuinely very scary, and it's yeah. especially amazing the way the camera moves because they couldn't afford a dolly. Mm. So like mm. at the end of the film, when the force attacks Ash, you see it like go like through the woods and through the house, and then to Ash, and like to film that they mounted a camera on a bike. <laughs> And Sam Raimi himself just wrote it, right? I think so. The cast and crew uh, were quite interchangeable in a lot of ways <laughs> on this movie, famously. Sam Raimi's now trademark thing of having people play each other in background shots and from behind uh, fake shemps. Like the three studios. When they had to finish three of their films after Shemp Howard died. I remember Quentin Tarantino talking about how when he saw Evil Dead, it like blew his mind and he was like, why has no one ever made a film like this before? And why isn't every film like this? <laughs> and you can definitely like, it's not just the way the like the evil force moves. It's the way everything moves. Like it's so kinetic and like fluid mm. and like logistically, it's incredible. They were able to do so much fluid movement in a cramped, barely standing <laughs> actual cabin in the woods like some of the and the sound is so great the hammering of the the swing scene uh, on the outside yeah there's there's a the like banging. a swing seat outside the cabin that bangs against the wall ominously and like there's no wind and it just keeps going ages <laughs> and then it just stops suddenly walk up to the door when they put the key in it's a it's a spooky house it's a spooky woods it's like this primordial place of pure fucking evil <laughs> is what it feels like on the screen. It doesn't feel just like a location. It feels like the gate to hell is underneath this fucking cabin. Like it, the whole place is terrifying, and it's and the demons don't just possess you or fuck with the house and stuff. They can control the woods themselves. They, yeah, they can. They can this, rape you. This, <laughs> yes, that's true. Should we that's talk about true. the tree rape? I mean, I guess we have to. So one of the most inf famous slash infamous scenes in the movie is when Cheryl uh, gets raped by the woods. I mean, on some level, I admire the audacity of it. 
Like and on some it's... level, I admire a lot of the filmmaking, like the actual effects of the vines. Oh yeah, like it's are really amazing. Yeah, I I feel like it it should have cut or not cut, but like because cause right afterwards Cheryl breaks free from the vines, and I mm. do kind of think maybe if she broke free from the vines before the uh, penetration, <laughs> because yeah. you get the idea. Especially because the vines creep up her leg yeah. in a long, lingering shot, and I think that's that's where you leave the peak, probably, and don't just have like a javelin fly into her genitals. Yeah. Has Sam Raimi said anything about it in later years? It is my understanding that he thinks that it was like very immature and he's not. It doesn't stand over it or anything. On some level, it's like why why am I so bothered by seeing a woman get raped by a tree in a film where, like, literally every physical trauma that could possibly happen happens yeah yeah and and i was a little less bothered by it this time i think when watch when rewatching it but you've seen reanimator which is a similar film in some ways and that it's also like a like very gory extreme horror comedy and it mm. also has a famous scene of sexual violence which is a reanimated severed head uh orally rapes a woman uh, who is tied to like a what Gurney. the fuck do you call it? yeah but in that scene like the moment before it like happens happens herbert west like bursts through the door and obviously a lot of people would be just as bothered by that scene <laughs> because a reanimated severed head orly rapes a woman but yeah. <laughs> i don't know i in some ways i'm glad that a film exists where a woman gets right by a tree even if I don't particularly enjoy it. Yeah. The scene, not the film, which I enjoy very much. It, I will say it also, like, it is such a small part of the film, and I, genuinely, not just, like, as a cop-out. Yeah, it's, like, two it's minutes like, or something. Yeah, like, the whole scene is two minutes. The The moment of actual violation is extremely brief, like a f- flash cut, basically. Yeah. And it does not linger or hang over the film. Like, like three minutes later, Cheryl is a flying demon. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, she they lock they lock her in the basement, and um, every every so often she'll pretend that she's just regular Cheryl, to yeah. like, oh let me out please. Ashley, Ashley help me, let me out of here. Ashley, Ash help me, let me out of here. I'm I'm all right now. I'm all right now, Ashley. I'm all right. There's something down here with me. But she's 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 trying to, you know It's too light, man. Cheryl's gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unlock this chain and let me out. The assistant editor on The Evil Dead was of Joel course. Cohen. Joel of, Cohen of the of Cohen, Cohen brothers. brothers fame. Sam Raimi is one of the three Raimi brothers already, but he's also the third Cohen brother. That's that's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, um, that's basically how Joel got his got his start in filmmaking and it inspired him when he was making Blood Simple. Yeah, and because Sam Raimi yeah. did that uh, small that short film like as a concept within the woods, and then 
Joel and Ethan used that to get funding for Blood Simple, their their first feature film. Yeah, and uh, Joel edited the sequence where where Linda's tied down so that Ash can dismember her. Oh yeah, which is just like amazing. And then and then he sees the necklace and he's like, "No, I can't," because like <laughs> the necklace reminded him of her more than her dead body did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the. Um. But you need to keep making the necklace significant over and over. That's what gives it its That's emotional true. through line, which this film has, unlike Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Ash's fa- fatal weakness in The Evil Dead is uh, light bookcases falling on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like multiple occasions over where, over. <laughs> where a light near empty bookcase falls on top of him and he's struggling to get out of it for like minutes. Yeah. Which and a key moment, always. Which isn't to understand how much actual physical trauma Bruce Campbell definitely went through. You are definitely seeing some legitimate injuries on Bruce Campbell in the first one, definitely. Also, he just gets so much fucking goo and shit thrown on him. The, the blood, which was mixed with coffee grounds, so it's really dark brown and thick. And diff- the white fluid that spews from the deadites and the blood that starts pumping out of the every hole in the fucking yeah the pipes and the it's crazy the 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 mirror full of blood blood. no the mirror he touches it and his hand goes through okay yeah you're right it's not blood sorry no but the light bulb fills with blood and explodes that's true it does in a tribute to the three stooges yeah yeah So for Evil Dead 2, which was made a good few years later, because in the meantime, uh, Sam Raimi and the Coens made Crime Wave, which went fucking terribly because the studio, they wanted to make the film the same way they'd fucking made the Evil Dead. And the studio were like, no, you have to do paperwork, guys. You have to <laughs> like do what we say at least some of the time. And I'm not Ooh. trying to down downplay the studio's interference. They clearly shouldn't have gotten involved if they weren't on board with their style. And it does sound like they were they were very over-involved and, and constantly interfering. But after that, to save his career, Sam Raimi took the advice of his producer, Irvin Shapiro, who was also the guy who released Night of the Living Dead way back in the 60s. Yeah. And, and he made Evil Dead 2 a sequel, question mark? to his previous cult success evil dead 2 i say sequel question mark because it begins with ash driving up the mountain to go stay in a cabin but this time he's just with linda none of the others are there and this time for some reason which i've no it's never explained why or it's just kind of mentioned really and and not even really discussed by the characters 
it's so they're squatting in just some guy's cabin. But yeah, no, I mean it's important because it's because of who the cabin belongs to that we find out later. I know, but the, I just mean that like they just kind of it's just kind of a thing, and nobody's it, it thinks it's weird or anything. Like literally, <laughs> just says one time, like what do we do if the people who own this cabin comes back and Ash's like, I don't know, it's time to fuck off. I can't even remember what he says. <laughs> Ash is a totally different character to Ash. To, 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 to <laughs> like Ash in Evil Dead Two is an entirely, entirely, entirely different person. I yeah, feel like Ash that in... should be made clear. Yeah, Ash in the first one is a sweetie pie playing cute little cat and mouse games and he's, he's so tender he can't stand to to dismember Linda when he's already dead just to make sure she doesn't come back as a horrible monster. And then in Evil Dead 2, Ash is a smooth operator. <laughs> he's like, Hey, what do you say we have some champagne, huh, baby? Huh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. <laughs> At least last time I checked. <laughs> okay. You did a little shoulder shimmy? Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if you've seen Crime Wave, but that's that's definitely something that carried on from his character in Crime Wave. <laughs> okay. Who's a heel. And I like being a heel. <laughs> and then the whole plot of Evil Dead happens in the first five minutes. Yeah. Of <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Just again, but with, with fewer people. Like, the rest of the film basically continues on from the point when Ash gets attacked at the end. And it turns out what the Force did was throw him through the air where he spins comically against silly rear projection footage like a proper, like it's proper like cartoon. And they let you, even before that happens, I mean, like the whole plot of the film happens so quickly. It's hilarious. Like he just kind of, like Lynn is possessed and he just like immediately decapitates her with a shovel. (laughs) (laughs) He still goes through a lot of trauma. There's a lot of blood and gore shit, but it happens so fast. It's funny. Yeah. And then he gets thrown through the air by the force, flying like Wily e. Coyote, and then crash lands, and he's now possessed, and he's evil Ash. He's a dead eye, and he's ah, I gotta uh, take your soul. La, la, la. But then the sun comes up, and he turns back into regular Ash. And then he gets in his car to leave, and the bridge is out because I guess in this version the bridge he wasn't out earlier, but it is now. They they do. Move some stuff around instead of just compressing the whole film. They reuse well, some when of the you s- when you say the bridge is out, like the bridge has like turned, like the bridge has split in half, and each half has curled, has curled into up a like giant leg. Yeah. yeah, and he goes as opposed to the first one where it just crumbled. Yeah, yeah, it was a much more sturdy bridge. Yeah, yeah, it was a sturdier bridge and got more damage done to yeah. it. Yeah, and. Ash is like, well, shit, I guess. I have to go back. <laughs> and literally the sun sets beside him, not even behind him in the distance. Like, you see the sun starts setting and then it zooms out and it's literally, like, happening, like, over in the grass. Like, really fast into this big, thick, like, cloud. So Such a good shot. And, uh, yeah, Ash goes back to the cabin. And uh, Linda's severed head comes back because he didn't dismember all her <laughs> limbs. And... Linda's head bites his hand, and then his hand gets dead-eyed, so he chops off his hand with the... with the. Well, after, the a- after like, quite a sequence of the hand trying to kill him. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, he, he gets smacked around by his own hand and, like, choked, and the hand tries to stab him and shit. And then he chops off his hand with... It's an axe at that time, is it? Chainsaw. 
And all the blood is splattering back on his face. <laughs> yeah. And he just has to wrap it in like a cloth. He's... <laughs> well, what's he going to wrap it in? No, I know, but like he doesn't. They don't do like uh, sticking the stump in the fireplace to cauterize a bit because he just has the stump that's weirdly the size, just about the size of Bruce Campbell's fist wrapped. In the <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's after he cuts it off, it's still alive, and he starts like hunting it in the walls like a rat, like a cartoon mouse. It's like Tom and Jerry with the shotgun. Then it cuts away to suddenly introduce us to some new characters who are the daughter of the cabin owner slash the archaeology professor who, who, who found and translated in some of the demons and her pal or whatever, just some guy who cares. And they have more pages from the book of the dead. And so they head up to the cabin to, to see her parents. Uh, but the bridge is out, obviously. So these two sinister hicks uh, show up and offer to help them for some cash yeah. And she makes, she says, uh, deal if you carry my bags. And he looks in the back of the cab and it's like <laughs> the pages in a frame and a handbag. And he's like, deal. And little does he know, she has like a case as tall as like a sm- a, a, as a mid-sized child in the back. Like grumbling uh, on the way up. I only saw them two cases. <laughs> and when they get there, uh, Ash is still hunting his hand and being you know terrorized by the forces in the woods and stuff so when they hammer on the door he fires a shotgun twice through the door and then he opens the door and there's nothing there and then the two guys just like gang rush him and take him to the ground which is a in fairness perfectly reasonable reaction to when you see a guy covered in blood in someone's house that is not his and he's just fired two shotgun shells through the door at you. Not there's a bad also, reaction. There's also like body parts around. Oh yeah, blood and a, everywhere. And a bloody chainsaw. Yeah, there's a lot of... So they quite reasonably conclude that Ash is a serial killer who has massacred a bunch of people, possibly including this girl's parents. <laughs> and they throw him down into the cellar, which is unfortunate. Because at that exact moment, they find the tape recorder from earlier and they keep playing it. And it turns out that in this version, the guy whose wife wasn't just possessed and tried to kill him. He killed her and buried her in the cellar. No! The fruit cellar. So Ash is now trapped down with this dead-eyed woman who has been dead-eyed for a while. And she's just basically this corpse of like multiple layers of rot on her. You can like... It's clearly someone wearing like four layers of different size fat suits that have been like caked over with effects makeup. It's quite grotesque. But, <laughs> he, they, you know, Ash is like, let me out, let me out. There's something down here. But unlike Cheryl in the first one, there is something down there. Well, you know, more violence ensues. Baba Joe! The the lady hick runs out into the woods and has one of the silliest deaths in the film because it's, it, it's dumb and very weirdly non-grotesque. She just gets thrown into a tree. Just like really, really, really <laughs> yeah. hard. Like she just accelerates for ages and then just smack into a tree. That's yeah. it. We never see her again. So 
But you know, her 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 husband or boyfriend or whatever is like, we got to go find Papa Joe, and takes Ash and Linda hostage and tries to make them go out to the woods. And Ash like, you know, here she's out there, man. She's gone. You're wasting your time. And the hick throws uh throws the papers in the fire. Yeah, they they figure out that from the it's on the tape, I think that uh, the pages that that the daughter brought back from the ruins of Kandar have the rituals to defeat the evil dead, which is one, a spell to force the demon to manifest in a physical form. And the second one is to cast the demon through a a hole in space and time. The intro of the film states the Book of the Dead was disappeared from history in 1300 AD. The the papers also have a uh, a picture of a man who was destined to uh, defeat the the evil dead back in 1300 AD who appears to have a chainsaw for an arm and be holding a shotgun mm. and be wearing a very clearly distinctly modern blue shirt and jeans that's i mean who knows what that could mean <laughs> This hero from the sky who vanquished the evil dead. So yeah, the hick throws the pages down into the cellar, and then they go outside, and then Ash turns dead-eyed again, right? Yeah. And he overpowers the shotgun hick, and the daughter's able to get away, but then when she's inside, you know, evil Ash is outside hammering on, on the walls and roaring at her and stuff, and then... When the door opens, she stabs with the, the the fucked up ritual dagger, which looks is way more overproduced than the second one. And the first <laughs> one is just like a it's got a fucked up skull handle, but it's just like a clean silver blade. And this one has got it's like spiky, like almost crustacean, like yeah, exoskeleton type type substance. But she stabs the the shotgun guy, not not Evil Ash. And then Evil Ash comes in and is like, rah, rah, and she's trying to close the door, but the guy's body is in the way and she keeps moving it, but then not enough. And he just keeps slamming the door over and over on different sections of his body. That and whole then, sequence is so weird. <laughs> and then she, so he gets the door slammed, but then Evil Ash breaks down. But then Evil Ash, he picks her up and throws her actually, because Evil Dead 2 is a cartoon. And. That's very like, true. <laughs> knocks her unconscious on the couch. He's going over to kill her, and he finds the goddamn necklace. And he's uh, like, oh, "Oh, creature, <laughs> no hurt, no more. Sad, no smash." <laughs> and turns back into a real boy, and <laughs> and then the daughter wakes up, and she does not believe that he is a real boy again. Because in fairness, the demon—that's exactly what a dead eye would do. They... Yeah, the demons constantly pretend to 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 just be normal again. The, even earlier, when when her mother in the basement was trying to do it, she was like saying, Baby. Mother, I'm not 
September 2nd, 1962. I remember it well because it was snowing. So strange it would be snowing in September. That thing in the cellar is not my mother. So she keeps trying to kill evil Ash, or, or well, regular Ash. She keeps trying to yeah. kill Ash with an axe. And like he keeps saying it over and over. I'm fine now, okay? I'm all right. I'm all right. And. <laughs> He just he thinks he's convinced her. He's just like, oh, and rests his head against the wall and then smash axe into the wall. I <laughs> said I'm all right. And he eventually convinces her. Once the daughter is like, okay, you're not you're not dead anymore. But for how long? He they they decide they need to like get the ritual and and get the pages back and do the ritual. And they need to go into the basement for that, where where her mother, the most powerful of the deadites is waiting. So they go to the shed where earlier Ash had been cutting up Linda um, mm-hmm. or had decided not to cut up Linda rather. In the first right? one? In the first one. Yeah. On, in, the, in the second one does he just cut, go straight for, to it? Well he decapitates her like immediately. <laughs> oh yeah what happens is he goes into the shed to get the chainsaw and the chainsaw is not there. There's a chalk outline yeah. where the chainsaw yeah. is supposed to be. And then her decapitated corpse comes in wielding the chainsaw when you put it like that <clears throat> it sounds like a strange film it does but just remember all of this is happening with the energy of looney tunes literally like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they 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 don't have to ash is gonna have to go into the basement so he goes back to the woodshed and he builds himself a prosthetic arm mounted like chainsaw thing and uses it to saw off the shotgun because sawed off shotguns are cooler and you can wield them one handed Um, and then he says and they head back in and Ash saws through the cellar door even though they have the key to (laughs) a lock on the chain on the cellar door and that would allow them to reseal the cellar door afterwards rather than just cut through it with the chainsaw but then he goes down cinema sin Hate the cinema sin, not the cinema sinner. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's the end of culture. Culture's over, everybody. We lost. He goes down and gets the pages extremely easily with minimal effort. And then he's going back up. And as he's walking up the steps of, of the ladder, her mother attacks. Ah! Ah. And they fight and there's chainsawing and shotgunning and dead hiding but he he gets the pages up to the daughter and she starts saying the spell and you know it manifests the demon in the flesh which makes it appear as a giant like mutant dinosaur face in the doorway just screaming and fleshing and pulsating and then she starts you know ash is fighting off her dead-eyed mother the whole time um and then she starts saying the spell to open the rift in space and time and it opens a portal outside behind Ash's car and it starts opening and she's going through the ritual and then she gets stabbed in the back by Ash's dead-eyed hand with the ritual knife. Yeah. And she keeps eking out a bit more and then it seems like she dies and then she ekes out a bit more 
it seems like she dies. As she she just about finishes the spell after Atra's already started wailing on the giant monster demon face <laughs> with the chainsaw hand, just spewing green goo everywhere. It's every single color of pus is present in this movie. Yes. Like <laughs> it's it's there's so much just slime and shit everywhere <laughs> all the time. Hey, don't call them splatter films for nothing. <laughs> Say that. But she gets out the ritual. She gets the last word out, and the poor Lopez and sucks in Ash's car, mm-hmm. the demon, mm-hmm. the entire cabin, mm-hmm. and Ash, who lands on a battlefield in 1300 AD and is immediately surrounded by medieval knights who say, "Tis a dead knight. We shall slay him." Uh, no, tis but a man. Or, <laughs> and just as they're about to kill him. A flying pterodactyl-like deadite with a human face flies down and is screaming and all the knights run away and Asha stands up cool as a cucumber and fires a shotgun blast from a sawed-off shotgun which has a range of about, what, like three feet (laughs) and blows off this flying pterodactyl (laughs) monster's head and all the knights surround him and they're like, Hail the hero from the sky! Hail! Hail! Hail, while Ash chants. No! No! And that's how Evil Dead 2 ends. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It was so good. Oh my god, Ash turned out to be that man in Ash's clothes with a chainsaw on his hand holding a shotgun? <laughs> Holy fuck. Wide twist. Ash is, is like absolutely 100,000% the literal final girl in both films. Like every single other person who's on screen dies. <laughs> it's just Ash survives going from one terrible situation <laughs> to another. I'll, it'll blow you away to know I enjoyed these these films. Good. Um, I'm glad. I loved them so much. I I already like Sam Raimi as as you mentioned last week. I grew up on the Spider Man Spider Man films. Uh, Spider Man Two is the best superhero film of all time. And Correct. then when I was a teenager, I saw Dark Man because I was into superheroes and I found out the guy who made the Spider Man trilogy did his own superhero film because he couldn't afford the rights to the Phantom or whatever. <laughs> It's like I'll just make a guy called Darkman. His power is he can make a temporary rubber, extremely realistic mask of other people's face, but it starts melting after like an hour. Well, yeah, because he got all like burned. Is that what happens in Darkman? Yeah, space got fucked up in a lab explosion or something. But luckily, he was working on a like a fake skin thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. But he can't go out in the light. A lot, sunlight makes the thing degrade faster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. That's why yeah. he's dark, man. Because he has to stay in the dark, man. But I hadn't seen any of Sam Raimi's horror films. What were your expectations, I guess? Going into either or both? So I tried not to look up too much about about them beforehand. Especially because I just know a lot from Osmosis anyway. Just yeah. from knowing a bit about film history and stuff. So I guess with The Evil Dead, my expectations, because I'd heard, you know, about the production and how <laughs> rough it was. 
everyone having to sleep doubled up in the cabin with no with like barely any heating and over and having to do multiple shoots and the only person who came to like every shoot with Sam Raimi was Bruce Campbell nobody else had the commitment <laughs> they lost cast and crew members constantly because people just were just like no I'm not, I'm not going through this <laughs> shit again I was expecting something a bit more like another famous low budget horror debut which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre I was expecting yeah. I knew it was a splatter film, but I didn't expect it to have such a... And this is a weird way to describe Evil Dead. Such a light tone. Um, <laughs> no, much, it's, yeah. much, it's much, it's much, It's much more of a horror film, like a straight horror film, than Evil Dead 2. But it's still like... it's it's There's a there's a lot of winking at the audience. Yeah, like... um, I've seen people talk about it almost as if, like, evil, the Evil Dead is is a straight horror film that was funny by accident and evil dead 2 is funny on purpose um but they're both very much horror comedies but the evil dead is scarier and evil dead 2 is funnier yeah exactly the the evil dead is more like just like a heightened horror film where it's the exaggeration of tropes and particular kinds of shots and moments and stuff like characters having kind of corny b-movie dialogue and stuff and just the over-the-top grotesquerie and well yeah like i mean it's not really in terms of like there being jokes exactly at all but it's like evil dead is a great example of a particular way of using gore as both horror and comedy at the same time Mm. like Mm. it's you know, it's it's like it's it's horrible and it's funny. It's not that it's a horror comedy. It's not it's not a horror comedy in the sense that it's a horror film with jokes in it. The horror and the comedy are the same thing. Yeah, because the horror goes to such ridiculous extremes. Like blood starts pouring out of electrical plugs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the when the deadites are like spitting up like blood and white pus and it's like yeah. insane it's and it, yeah. it it is like obviously evil dead 2 takes it to like a much more extreme extent of like the cartoonishness but there's definitely like a looney tunes vibe to like the the like last like 20 minutes of the evil dead <laughs> like it's yeah yeah the evil dead is maybe i don't know the evil dead is more fleischer cartoons and then <laughs> And then the Evil Dead Two is straight up Looney Tunes, <laughs> like Roadrunner and Coyote shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and the idea of it being accidental is fucking ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's it's part insane. of a very yeah. clear like history of horror comedy. And yeah, you could see like people who have done similar stuff before and similar stuff since. Like, the Evil's Dead are a great pairing, and I was I was worried that watching them. Like what? I didn't watch them in a double bill. I watched one on one day and one the next day. Yeah. But I was worried that knowing that the Evil Dead Two, knowing that Evil Dead Two is partly like a remake of the Evil Dead, uh, I was worried that watching the two of them so close together would be a bit like, (laughs) here's the same thing again, but more. But it's like not at all. No, it's It's... well. I mean, the events of the Evil Dead are done in literally the first couple of minutes. So like, and then it's it's a whole new plot. Yeah, and Evil Dead Two, like a good like half of it is basically a one hander. 
mm, of just mm. it's just Bruce Campbell versus a house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And he's like, I mean, Bruce Campbell's really great in both films, but in Evil Dead Two, it's like one of the best performances like of all time and in anything yeah, yeah. like yeah. even just from like a physical point of view when he in the whole sequence where he's fighting his hand the way he like flips his body over and like the like you really yeah. feel like his hand is a separate entity yeah that that bit blew my mind because obviously like i watch a lot of pro wrestling so i i, I know a lot about how those kind of moves work and yeah. stuff and I and I was like genuinely like really impressed at how like how low a self flip Bruce Campbell was able to do without even the access of another person like yeah. to interact with. He just he's he's already like hunched over <laughs> and then he just does a fucking flip and lands on his ass. And I'm like there's a, a like literally molecules in the difference and Bruce Campbell dies doing that stunt and, and we don't have this discussion. That's, like I'm, I'm glad that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so amazing. His it's one of the greatest rubber faces in all cinema. Yeah. Yeah, and and Evil De yeah, Evil Dead 2 it it like takes everything to another level in terms of like so the Evil Dead is like plot-wise pretty conventional, like we said. Mm. And Evil Dead 2 is like, what if everything about it is like heightened and cartoony as the filmmaking was in the Evil Dead, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I wonder how much that is the influence that uh, the, the, the second film had a, an additional screenwriter in addition to... That's true, yeah. To Sam Raimi, Scott Spiegel. He, he's part of the, the Raimi-verse kind of production <laughs> posse. Who are so prolific, by the way. Can we just stop to say like... Between them, like the Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, Bob Tapper, Scott Spiegel, like coalition, <laughs> have made so much shit. Like <laughs> Hercules, and then of course the spin-off Xena. Um, if you like Hercules and Xena, you should watch Army of Darkness. I do like Xena. I've never watched Hercules. Yeah, and it's not it's not because I find Kevin Sorbo personally distasteful. It's because I think he's a shite actor. Whereas Lucy Lawless rules. So. <laughs> She, uh, L Lucy Lawless is in Ash vs. Evil Dead as well. That's good news. I will watch Army of Darkness and Ash vs. Evil Dead, definitely. Good. A small thing I noticed, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, because it's a very quick bit of dialogue, but there's a Coen Brothers title drop in Evil Dead 2. Blood Simple. Yeah, yeah he's... Crazy Buck's gone, Blood Simple. He's gone, Blood Simple. Classic. <laughs> Something that a, a term that on, literally only the Coen Brothers and and Sam Raimi have ever used since it was first used in a Dashiell Hammett novel like a hundred years ago. Right? It's just the two of them. Speaking of referencing other films, I'm sure you noticed that in The Evil Dead there is a torn The Hills of Eyes poster. There is. I did notice that. I haven't seen The Hills of Eyes. Okay. Well, this won't be a spoiler. Unless you really care about like getting spoiled for torn posters that appear in movies, but no, in no. the Hills of Ice, there's a torn poster of Jaws, ah. and it's as if to say this movie is scarier than Jaws. So then the torn poster in the Hills of Ice is saying like this film is scarier than the Hills of Ice, and then yeah. in A Nightmare on Elm Street, which was directed by Wes Craven, just like it, the Hills of Ice, they watch The Evil Dead. <laughs> And in Evil Dead 2, in the tool shed, Freddy Krueger's glove from A Nightmare on Elm Street is, is like hanging on the wall. 
That's delightful. Yeah. That, that's lovely. <laughs> that's really nice. And it's Freddy Krueger's uh, actual glove. From... Like the one from... Yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. Not a replica. Yeah. That's great. It's the same visual effects guy who did all the Evil Dead's, right? Uh, Tom, Tom Sullivan, Tom Sullivan, I think. yeah. And uh, yeah, you can see his uh, methodology evolve <laughs> between the two two films. Where the first is like, here's a really good makeup and goo guy, and then the second one, it's like, here's a guy who can stop motion animate a person's head turning into a snake, like that bit from Beetlejuice. The effects are just like extraordinary relative to the budgets. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like in the Evil Dead, like the way that like all the blood and goo is just so good it's it's like it's a tiny moment in terms of like effects but like that moment Mm. when cheryl stabs her in the ankle with the pencil and the blood that comes out is so like dark and like and thick and and it's just incredible (laughs) And, like, it's obvious it's an effect, but it's not like they're, like, stabbing into a mannequin foot or something. Like, the actual texturing of the, the and coloring of the effect. Yeah, it absolutely... Like, the... the effects in both movies aren't realistic and aren't trying to be, but mm, mm. they do look like they're happening to realistic bodies, I guess. Like, the yeah. way that, like, yeah. false hands look, they look like hands and that kind yes, of thing. Yes. Um and it's it's not that it's not realistic in that like oh that doesn't look real they did a bad job it looks unrealistic in that it's so extreme and over the top which is yeah. both scary in some sense but it's it's also extremely funny yeah 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 the evil dead was uh, on the video nasty list in the 80s the british government banned or restricted distribution or various methods of of how to describe it censorship yeah so they were like censoring particularly really gory gross horror films and most of the time that involved being like banned on video Mm. and it was literally like if if someone sold you a video of like a fulci film or whatever you would you could get sent to prison (laughs) and it's especially weird because Obviously, I oppose all censorship, but the yeah. video nasty thing is so weird because when you look at the kinds of films that were video nasties, it's like the idea that anyone would be motivated to do violence because of them is so weird because mm. not that they aren't super violent, but they're so violent that they are they cartoons. <laughs> Yeah, they do not resemble real violence. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. And and the incredible levels of grotesquerie and extreme violence of just blood spraying everywhere. It's so heightened and unrealistic that, like, I mean, it, there's no such thing as a film that can make you a serial killer. But even <laughs> films like these, you're going to be already have to be pretty far <laughs> down the line to being a serial killer before these are going to turn you into like, <laughs> More subtle stuff than this would probably have a better hit rate <laughs> at like luring people into the of course very common popular serial killing lifestyle that we've all we've all dabbled with from time to time. And that is why I um uh I do all my killings by decapitating someone with a shovel a la Ash Williams. 
Yeah, something yeah. which I'm sure I'm sure you just swing the shovel and it just like comes off clean. Yeah. But then you have I'm to worry about a... the head getting reanimated. Yeah, I'm more of a bifurcate somebody straight down the middle with a chainsaw guy after having already decapitated them. Let's go. Most people like Evil Dead 2 better than the first one. And I was wondering which you prefer. I won't say which one I prefer until you say. So as not to bias it's really, you. It's a really tough one because I, I love them both very much. I really, really enjoyed watching them. But I guess in my heart of hearts, I'm more of a horror guy than a comedy guy. And I like the scarier movie over the funnier movie. Gun to my head. So Evil Dead. Me Evil too! Dead. I can't believe it. I think... Bruce Campbell's performance in two is obviously better yeah. than his performance in one, and it's like it's a such a slim margin because just the first one is like it's kind of like visual and and a narrative anarchy you expect from a wacky comedy, but it's in a really fucked up horror film. Yeah. But then also that fucked up horror film is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and, and Evil Dead Two is just like one of the all time live action cartoons. Like, Evil Dead 1 is very fast-paced for... Like, when you think of, like, horror movies from the 70s, because mm. Evil, Evil Dead came out in 81. But it had been in production for a long yeah. time. Yeah, when you think of, like, American horror movies from the 70s, the pace of Evil Dead is so quick. The amount of time it takes to get to Cheryl's hand is being forced to draw a book is, like, no time at all. Like... Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's very quickly like something's fucked up and it's and not just in like a spooky atmosphere way, like they're physically t doing stuff to you. And yeah. then Evil Dead 2 is like way faster. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like like Evil Dead is like a a conventional horror film that kind of fast forwards through the early parts. And yeah. Evil Dead 2 is like, what if the whole film was just incredibly propulsive? Like, it's just propulsion and yeah. just nonstop slapstick and gore. And they are, in fact, the same thing. And this is what that mo this movie is. Yeah, you can, you can get the factor of acceleration by the fact that the entire plot of Evil Dead happens <laughs> in the first five minutes of Evil Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it just keeps going. No, it's nonstop. You might, you might think you might be sitting at home, listener, and thinking to yourself, "Okay, so this sounds like they rush through stuff." And it's like, no, the whole film, both times, has this just like constant kinetic pace, yeah. going from scene to scene. There is no like really long, dragged out set piece or anything. Everything is just like there are loads of really big set pieces. It's just a lot of the film is like constant set piece after set piece, yeah. just things getting blown up and smashing and for blood and people's limbs flying off and just uh is it i can't remember whether it's in the first or second one when there's a deer head on the wall and it just starts talking that's and evil dead too goo. yeah 
spewing goo out of its orifices and uh, there's a shot it's like it starts out at the upside down at the back of Bruce Campbell and it like the camera like goes all the way around until you're facing him mm. and it's just like good good job everybody yeah just like what weird way can I move the camera yeah. because I, I I just want to do something I just want everything to be weird and disorienting and different yeah it's like recently I was watching a lot of silent films silent September hashtag and uh <laughs> The like the last couple of years of silent films, especially before sound came in, feel so like we've fucking cracked this. We've fucking cracked yeah. how to make movies, and and cameras will just like move, and everything is so fluid and so like different. Mm. And then sound comes in, and it's the first couple of years of sound. Yeah. They like there are some really great films made in that time, but they were really figuring it out. Like you know, because yeah, they you couldn't, to... you couldn't, you couldn't move because you had yeah, to. you had all be this at heavy the sound. The actors had to be at the microphone, and the cameras got after years of getting smaller. They got bigger again yeah. because they had all these new parts attached to them. And like, remember we were saying about Wade Ennis, like, like just so people are tuned in <laughs> to the pace of camera development in Way Down East, the cameras had oil in them and had to be kept warm with fires underneath them when they were filming in the cold. That was in 1920. And then sound is 1927. Yeah. And obviously, eventually they figured out how to make sound films where you can move the camera and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Evil Dead feels almost like the alternate history. Knife sound was never invented because obviously it is very much a sound film. But an alternate history of like if people were still able to make still able to make films the way they did in the at the end of the silent era. Yeah, like if sound had never been an obstacle. Yeah, and just the ability of like that every shot is an opportunity to do something fucking cool with the camera and not just mm. put something cool on screen, which is very important and which the Evil Dead movies love to do, but to do something cool with the camera. Yes, exactly. It actually reminds me of an observation you made about Reeves and Mortimer. Yeah. That in Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, they try to make a joke out of every single thing they do. If yeah. they're walking onto stage, they will try to walk funny to crack a gag into it. They will try to just smack, like they'll already be telling a joke and they'll do puns inside the sentence. It's just yeah. like as much gag density as possible. And it's not, it's not quite that compact because Evil Dead obviously is, even though it's very fast and everything, it has a, a, a nice healthy 80-something minutes to work with yeah. instead of the 20 minutes <laughs> of Vic Reeves and, and Bob Mortimer. But it's that same kind of just like hit after hit after hit after hit after just like yeah. every time I have an opportunity to move the camera, how am I going to move the camera? Yeah. I'm going to think yeah. about that. And I'm not going to think about the standard, you know, there's not a ton of like just reverse <laughs> shot, reverse shot setups. Yeah, so. I well, <laughs> because like, well, I haven't learned how I'm supposed to make films, so I'm just going to make films how I want to make them. And obviously, obviously, 90% of the time someone does that, it ends up on Best of the Worst. <laughs> you know, it's, it's some guy's weird, like, Mormon alien sex fantasy or whatever. But 1% of the time... You get pure fucking <laughs> chemical delight, pure <laughs> lightning in a bottle, 
just chef's kiss dean kira and wait i'll ask you two separate questions okay for no reason dean are you glad that you watched the evil dead i'm so 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 happy i watched the evil dead i think the evil dead is my favorite of the films you've shown me so far probably oh wow close to um, better than vertigo I'm not going to say better than Vertigo, but I, I think the two so far that I love the most are Evil Dead and Good Will Hunting. That makes sense. That's a very me pairing. <laughs> Double Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Double Bill about a troubled young man. <laughs> troubled young man. <clears throat> and are you glad that you watched Evil Dead 2? This will sound weird after what I just said about the Evil Dead, but I'm actually... So fucking delighted I watched Evil Dead 2 because I think my instinct about a lot of horror comedy, I don't have a, I love horror comedy, but I've watched enough horror comedy to have a bit of a, oh, is this going to be, you know, good or, because even some horror comedies that a lot of people like, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, like I think it's a fine film, but I'm not like mad about it or anything. Yeah. But Evil Dead 2 is like, just like, so fucking good at being a horror comedy. Yeah. It's such respect for like both traditions and pulls from both of them. And so much film in one film. <laughs> Next week is the first of my two in a row since you did, well, technically three in a row, but who's, I won't hold it against you. It's certainly the least famous film that we'll be doing this season. It's the 2014 Kristen Wiig vehicle, Welcome to Me, directed by Shira Piven, who is a... It's the only film she's directed. She's uh, mostly a writer and, and, and producer. I don't like to do this because, you know, people should stand apart from their associations with their men. But she she is married to our fave, Adam McKay. I do love Adam McKay. Unlike probably 98% of people listening to this, I had heard of this film before. <laughs> um had you heard of it from me no i remember what whenever whatever year that came out mike on red letter media included it in like his roundup of the year Ah. and he liked it a lot and i thought it sounded neat because it's it's about a woman this is my understanding okay it's about a mentally ill woman i think it might be borderline personality disorder but i don't know who wins the lottery (laughs) And mm-hmm. makes a TV show about herself. Yeah, because she wants to be like Oprah. Yeah. She's obsessed with Oprah. And now, and now that she has won the lottery, she can do that. Yes. She goes down to the local TV station and is just like, <laughs> here's a bucket of money. Let me make TV. That's a great premise. And I love Kristen Wiig. And it, it bums me out that a lot of the time Kristen Wiig is in shite. Because mm-hmm. she's so good. Yeah, one of the best comedy actresses of her generation. And a great dramatic actress. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's, um... See, that was... That's a thing, like, um... Welcome to Me was part of, like, a moment where she did a couple of, like, a few comedy dramas one after another. Yeah, yeah. She was kind of doing a turn in her career thing. She did, like, Girl Most Likely... Diary of a Teenage Girl. She plays the mother in that. She's amazing. Uh, Skeleton Twins, Hate Ship, Love Ship, and Welcome to Me... And then at the just as that turn was happening, she appeared in a little film called Ghostbusters. And then she was like, 
fuck Irish. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Until next time, I'm Kira Maloney. I'm Dean Buckley. The song was Club Transylvania by Computer Music All-Stars, because Halloween. <laughs> and this was the Sunday Presents Halloween Spooktacular. And a very spooky happy birthday to F. Murray Abraham. Bye-bye. Zombie Flanders. You was a zombie?